We've got a code. Use code VOLLEYPOD for 20% off almost anything on the Art of Coaching Volleyball website, including premium memberships, coaching resources, and nearly all books. That's VOLLEYPOD, V-O-L-L-E-Y-P-O-D. Use it to save anytime you're on the site. Are you ready to take your volleyball game to the next level? Every week on the VolleyPod, we talk to two top coaches who share their secrets for success on the court. From drills to build skills to strategies for boosting confidence, you won't want to miss this valuable advice. Tune in now and elevate your game today. Good evening and welcome to the VolleyPod. How are you today, Todd? Davis doing well back in the gym with the 11s today and oh they're fun they're fun oh they're so fun they get fired up they like all my stuff <laughs> uh they don't laugh at all my jokes quite yet but uh they're getting there they're getting there nice nice welcome to my world where people don't laugh at most of your jokes <laughs> no that's awesome yeah i had my team in too they're so fun it's it's gonna be a great season so we got a great episode today. Good stuff. So what are we doing for the skill? So the skill, I'm going into the gym now and I look at all the practices. And this actually comes from a little clinic I did with the coaches down in Texas. Okay. At my son Tobias's club, Catalyst Volleyball Club. Okay. And I did a little session with them on the title was Keep Your Line Short in Practice. I like it. Like so yes. how do you do that? How do you keep lines short? And I think the, uh, you know, the worst one we see, you know, we used to see is where, you know, the kids have balls and they're standing this line of 12 and the coach is setting. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so, you know, the kids are touching the ball one every 12 time and the coach is touching the ball <laughs> way more than the right. kids. And you go, wait a minute, this, this isn't working. Right. And then they go chase the ball and they're standing in line. And so, I guess the first thing is, is the goal. And the goal is there are always more kids playing than watching. And that's not easy. No, it's not easy. And so how do you do that? And I think the first, one of the first ways is take the coach out of the ball machine role. Yes. And I think that is something where we have to be very judicious with that. If you're going to be a ball machine, it has to be because there is no other way to do it. And so one time I might be the ball machine is when we're doing some floor moves. Okay. And I want to be real specific with where the ball goes uh, to make sure they're making the floor move when we teach them. But that's like a five minute thing and then get out of it. Right. Right. Uh, Okay. So take the coach out of the ball machine role. Number two, and along with that, teach your players how to initiate. I love it. Okay. Down ball, self-toss to hit. So self-toss to approach and hit. Uh, and then this idea of a challenge, you know, not too easy, not too hard. You don't want, uh, a bunch of initiations that are too easy where they're just bowling the ball over the net. You don't want them too hard where they're hitting the ball in the net and it slows everything down, Mm -hmm. but you want to make it kind of game like, and if they're hitting a down ball and they have a miss hit, Hey, you're going to see that in a game, right? Right. And you got to be good at getting that. That's a good point. So, Absolutely, yeah. uh, so that's number two, getting your players to initiate. Number three, change a one coach, 12 player drill to a pairs drill. Okay. Okay. So if we're working on passing, the coach isn't tossing to 12 players. You can do that in pairs. Right. And I think you can get a bunch of reps. They might not be perfect game like reps, mm-hmm. but if you're working on technique, short periods of time, 
do it in some pairs. I like it. And you have, you know, 12 kids, you got six balls, they're touching them all every other time. They're getting reps on whatever you want if you're teaching them uh, whatever specific technique. I love it. I love that one. Uh, change a one coach, 12 players drill to two coaches, six players. Oh, I like it. Okay. So you have an assistant coach and you're going, hey, we got to do this and we got to do this thing where I'm controlling the ball for you to make a floor move. Let's have a coach on each side doing it. Yes. And so now you have two stations, a station on each side of the court. I love that. Maybe you can use a player to do that too. Maybe you have a player who has a great arm and you go, hey, you can do this. And you take a little time and, and teach that player how to do it. And that player can be the assistant. I love it. I love that. Okay. Uh, along with that, use both sides of the court. Uh, I see this a lot. You know, I'm walking around at Coast and I see a lot of what we would, what I would call one-way serve pass. Right. Which means there's this line of like six kids in the serving line. Right. And there's two other kids in the passing group of there. It's like, hey, just do it on both sides. Right. Take half the servers, go to the other side of the court, right. take some passers, put them on that side. Even if you have two passers, on one side and you use two thirds of the court, you can still do it. Right. Get Absolutely. more reps, use those kids, get them out of lines. 100%. Uh, how about this? Add players to the activity or add an activity to something that's normal. So yes. think about something like butterfly. Teams like this butterfly drill where you have these servers pass their target and it's they're going around in a circle with this put two passers out instead of one. Yes. And now they have to make a decision who has to pass it. So like it's that. more game-like. Right. Make your setter square up, jump set, and set a quick set. Yes. No matter what position they play, make them do that. Now you're adding an activity. So now you have, instead of just one player passing, you have two players there deciding who is going to pass, who isn't, and you have a setter who's going to square up and jump set. So yeah. you've added two other players to a drill that just had one player before. I love that one for sure. Okay. Uh, I see a lot of doubles at coast. Yes. And hey, doubles are great, but doubles aren't great if you have 12 kids, there's only four playing. Right. And I'm not a huge math guy, Davis, but four, <laughs> I don't think four is 50% of 12. Right, absolutely. So play fours. Yes. Play fours. Absolutely. <laughs> Why are we playing twos? Let's play fours. Absolutely. Could I jump in real quick? Yeah. So one of the things, simple ideas I think is, can you switch it, split into three groups as opposed to two? And, and you have two groups working and one group shagging. That way you don't have shaggers who aren't doing anything and you can go put your two groups in different places. It's just a simple idea, but it totally valid right here. Yep. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Uh, next one, split the court into stations. Okay, so yes. let's say you have serve receive on one side of the court and then a setter's triangle on the other side of the court. I love it. And so now you're doing your serve, serve, receive, and then your setters are getting their work and you're on the same court. Everybody's not doing the same thing. You have some different stations going. That's really Another cool. example that would be, uh, I like short court two's doghouse. Yes. So you're playing on the 10 foot line, doubles. Okay, you have some doghouse there but they're just playing on the 10 foot line with a net. So you're using the net, but then toward the end line on both sides, you can have other stations. Yep. So you can put your setter's triangle on one, and then you can have, let's say an overhead digging station on the other with a yes. coach and two or three players. Absolutely. Saying, hey, my libero needs to learn how to overhead dig. Right. I can get a coach working with them. Yes. And then you can rotate people through the stations if you need to. I love that. So now you have three stations rather than 
you know, just saying, hey, everybody is playing this doubles and now you have these, you know, four kids playing and eight kids in line. Right. Well, that's what we do during our arm warm time for my club team. So it's like instead of having the setters warm up their arm, they're into their setters triangle. The liberos are doing the libero triangle and then all the others are, uh, you know, warming up their arm using the net. So I like it. Yeah, Yeah, it's good stuff. You got it going. Uh, How about this one? you, we've t- talked about this one, and this I know you're really good at this one. Use a wall as a station. I love it. And yes. you don't need a coach there. So they can do some serving. They can do some arm swing work. They can do some setting, stuff against a wall, yeah. setting, whatever. Use the wall as a station. I love it. Okay. This next one you'll like. Uh, or uh, how about this one? You're going to make a station. Okay, make a station. So how about a piece of elastic uh, between yeah. two poles, and that becomes a net. So they yes. get to do a little blocking stuff. Because blocking is always... So maybe you're playing there and then you have a little station with them just working on handwork for blocking. That's really cool. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Uh, and then uh, this is the Kessel's doubles challenge. I okay, think we talked about this. I don't know. Where you have six kids okay. and two versus two. Oh, yeah. And yeah, then the cool, two yeah. players in the middle are the net. Yes. And oh, then when right. you lose, you become the net. That's fun. Yeah. Okay. The kids like that one yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And so it's once again, you can do that kind of at the back of a court. And have six kids doing something where you have the other half of the team involved in something where they're getting a bunch of reps. Cool. Okay. How about this one? Take down the antennas. Uh, Depending on the court, the court can get wider when you take down the antennas and then you could put more kids along there in pairs. That's a good Because you can't really have your whole team going over the net in pairs between the antennas. That's a good point. Really three or four groups are probably as safe as you want to get before people are going to get pegged. Right. But if you take down the antennas and they can go all the way out to the ends, then space. you get more space. Yeah, I like that. That's a great okay. idea. Uh, how about this one? Split the court in half. So we have long court twos, doubles doghouse. We talk about that one a lot. And then the other one I'm using now is what I call fat court. And so we just stop. Instead of going 10 foot, 10 foot, we go 15 foot to 15 foot. Even six on six on that small court. Oh. So now we have all this communication stuff in this small oh. court, six on six. And then we might have some tutorials outside of that. Right. You can okay. play four on four on the fat court. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, and it's just a, it's a 15. So it goes right to half court. So it's a 15 by 30 court. Oh, I love that. That's okay. a cool one. Yeah. And so you have fat court and then you can do some stuff on the end line. with getting a bunch people. of rallies. Yeah. A bunch of communication. Bunch of communication. Yes. Okay. So cool. Uh, and then lastly, compile a list of activities that players do when they are out of a game or drill. I love so that. let's say you have a hitting line. Okay. So they attack, they do three approaches, they do three, four moves, and then get back in line. Yes. So now you have kids, as they're getting back in line, they That's have great. a bunch of stuff they're working on. Yes. So now your lines aren't long because you have kids doing stuff. That's great. Okay. I like the idea of even them having to check off before they get it back in, like something they're working on, they have to do it correctly before they get back. Okay. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. All right. How about other stuff they could do is serving um, what we call dummy. That is no ball serving. So they could do dummy reps. Yep. Okay. Uh, toss and drop. Yep. They'll do 10 toss and drops and then get back in your serving thing. So they can do that alone. What are those things they can do alone? Very cool. That aren't necessarily, Hey, you could do, you can do burpees and stuff like right. that, but I'm not a big burpee guy. I want, I want volleyball stuff. Right. And then lastly, uh, when kids are, let's say, sharing a position, okay, uh, let's say you have two liberos. The one who is out has to yell cover, cover. 
after on every ball that's set after six calls she subs in oh, i like that and so once again those kids that are out are still working they're just not sitting there they have a task i really think that's great yes that's it that's so cool and, and really powerful stuff if you apply some of those i think you'll definitely see some results everyone. that's it so that's awesome well just look around and look at your practice and say hey do i have more players playing than i do watching at all times and it's a challenge i mean i catch myself going "Ooh, this one's not good Hope nobody sees this. Right. I'm a hypocrite. Right. <laughs> well, exactly. And just catch yourself and be aware, you know, and try yep. to do better. And maybe don't do all of them right at once, but keep working on it, right? Yeah, no, it's little baby steps to to get a little better, yeah. get a few more reps. It adds up over the course of a season. That's awesome. So my topic is really closely tied into this. Okay. And we prepared them obviously separately, but some overlap a little bit. But mine is don't do this. <laughs> So don't. So do this, this scenario is stuff you scenarios you don't want to see in exactly. practice. Exactly. Okay. And you know, I, I ran a local club for ten years, and kind of we would kind of model the practices, and they would kind of go do them, and you would still find these these things happening. So, anyways, let's start. Let's get started. So, don't do huge revolvers, right? Right. It doesn't make sense because the feedback is too far apart from the next attempt generally. So let's define revolver real quick for us. So a revolver is where you go from like passer to setter to server and you go around to the other side and then you become passer, setter, server, something like butterfly or or just pass and then get your ball and go to the target and pass and get your ball, go to the target. Big circle drills, basically. Right, circle revolver, yep. Yeah, and yep. The, long the, lines again. Long lines again yep. and, the, and the lack of immediacy right. that they get, right? So they're not going to be if you give them feedback right after their pass they're going to be waiting i don't know 15 20 seconds before they even get to try it again and it's just not going to be as present to them as they want so uh, can i throw something in there please that's why i love three in a row drills yes so yes. that's that my if you have to be in a situation like that the substitute is to go maybe half and half yes okay uh and so now half the players are in half shag. And then if they do it right, they get to stay for up to three. I like that a lot. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. And now they have this feedback loop there. They have something that uh, is built into the drill saying, right. Hey, you do it right. You get it. You don't do it right. You're out. Yep. I love that. That's definitely so, a way to complement that. What's next? Next. Don't bowl in the ball. Okay, when I'm talking about bowling, you know the underhand spinners. Yep, Man, I'm a good bowler, David. I'm really been, good too. I'm, <laughs> and I'm really old. You're shaking so. bowling away from me. That's my favorite thing, dude. <laughs> it's, like, it's so easy to bowl it, but it's way too comfortable. It's not game like. It's not difficult. It is just too easy, essentially, for them. Right now, you can kind of spot up and do it, but it's like it, I, I just think it's too clean. Right. Like, like we want it to be ugly. Okay. And if anything, like you were mentioning, have the players put the ball in and maybe have them hit down balls or, or instead of throwing in, um, easy tops. Right. I'm going to throw balls. in a, a little caveat to that, that I think if you're going to bowl because you want to sharpshoot, right. Right. Uh, cause we can sharpshoot bowling. <clears throat> Absolutely. Then the ball goes in a certain place to work on something specific. Yes. You're not just bowling it right to them. You're bowling it in a seam. Yes. You're bowling it into a deep corner where they have yep. to make a drop step move. Yeah. You're bowling it into the your weakest front row player who wants yeah. to always get out of the way of the right. ball. Or in the donut or right. something you're, like that. You're you're yeah. bowling it into that spot that's the weakest spot for your team. Right. If yeah. you want to bowl there, then that's maybe a time for bowl. Right. But don't just bowl 
into your libero. Right. And I see that all the time. I do too. Yes. Um, don't initiate the game with a play that doesn't happen often in your matches. Okay. So I see teams all the time bouncing it to the other team and the other team gives a free ball over. And that is good if you're receiving a lot of free balls. Like I would imagine right. in the 11s, you're receiving a bunch of free balls. Yep. So it makes sense. In the 16s, if we get a free ball, it's it's probably one out of 50, right? And the others will be pipes or down balls or something like that. Right. So we should be practicing that a lot more than free balls. So we want to kind of match what's going to happen in the game with our initiation. Right. And, and so throw it to your outs, throw something to your, throw a bad set to your outside. Yes, Go for that. exactly. If you want to start rallies. Right, exactly. <laughs> My outside get a lot of bad sets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's just not random enough. It's not realistic right. enough. And then proportionally, like you're not going to be able to give them all the balls they need, but you're going to be like, okay, we're going to make sure that you can get the sharp angle and the high line. Yep. And uh, I'm going to make sure the ball gets there. Next. Don't talk too much. Sean, I'm not talking specifically to you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no but uh, we can all, we all do it coaches, yep. you know, where we just talk too much. And I, I don't, I don't want to explain the game. I want to show them the game right. while I explain the game. Right. Like, uh, like I, I just have to do both. When I'm in I, 30 seconds. Yeah. 30 like, seconds. 30 seconds max. Yep. Hey, Model, explain, co go. go copy. Yep, exactly. And match your practice talks with your match talks. So if you're all pumped up in the match and communicating really, you know, enthusiastically, you know, you got to be like that in practice. So they get used to getting that quick information in a short time, get back out there. Can I, uh, can I add something to that? Of course. So a sub of that is one of Jim Stone's that he calls feedback on the fly. Okay. And I see a lot of these coaches, they don't talk when teams are playing. Right. And then they're always calling people in and then talking for two or three minutes about all these different things that happen. That's a good point. Yeah. And feedback on the fly. That's it. That's it. That yes. passes it. Hey, that's the posture. That's right. the posture. Right. That's the floater. Yes. That's the floater. That's the spin we want. Yes. Good spin. It's, yes. And they can hear that when they're playing. It's okay. Right. Absolutely. You don't need to stop the game for the feedback. hundred percent. That's a great one. That I have that a one. lot when, uh, if, if I have an assistant coach, let's say who's initiating and I'm giving feedback, that coach will, won't put the ball in play and I'll always be yelling at the assistant, right. just keep it going. Right. They can listen while they're playing. Right. They don't need to, they don't need to, if, if I need to stop game. them, I'll huddle and bring them in. Right. But if I'm, if, if I'm talking to them when they're on the court, then keep the ball in play. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. a great one. Not everyone's going to like this one, but just don't do drills. So, and I'm kind of talking for the joy of the game I, uh, perspective, just do games instead. So if you're going to do a drill of free ball passing, instead of doing one big group of free ball passing, we're going to do two groups and they're competing against each other. The winner has to do five happy stars. Okay. And they have to do it with this form, whatever. You What's just, a happy star? Like you just jump and put your feet out and your hands out like you're a big star. You know. Happy star. Wow. Yeah. I don't, that's a new one for me. Yeah. So Happy it's star. fun. Okay. They don't think of it as really torture. You okay. Know? Um, but again, just, can you make it fun? Like they like to compete. That's why they're out here. Can we not bore them by just counting to 25? You know, I know there's a time and a place for that, but I really see too many sort of drills that are just run just to run versus turning that into a competition. And then when they get into the matches, they say, well, my team's not competitive enough. They don't know how to compete. Well, they haven't done it every single time. I they like practice, it. So next don't do progressions what that's right don't do progressions start with the end 
So start with the end, and some players will pick up part of it, and other players will pick up another part. But I, I swear, if you go, I want you to do A, B, C, D, E, F, and then we're going to arrive at G, it takes way too much time as opposed to looking who's already at E or F. Right. So do a progression if you need to, but first check and see. Do what, a check. Do a check. And if you don't have the majority of your team, then don't do it. Exactly. Do a pullout. Absolutely. Do a pullout tutorial with the kid that needs to go go back to the A and B. Yes. And uh, I, we just call this meeting the athlete where they are, right? The, you don't want to go backwards. It bores them. They tend to check out and stuff like that. Um, some review of fundamentals is good. Like you should go back sometimes and say, you know, hey, this is, you know, what your platform should look like, et cetera. But it can be quite boring for the advanced uh, players. So tailor your coaching to every single one. Uh, you want to have high ceiling activities, meaning uh, you can take that activity and do even more. So if we're doing serving, you know, it's not, can you make five in a row? Can you make 10? Can you make your jump serve? Can you, you just keep raising the ceiling for them. Next. Don't do partner work on the same side of the net. And I know you're big on this. There's going to be time to do partner work, but can we get going over the net as soon as possible? Right. I know there's certain things you can't work on over the net because it's a little too random, but they can do it. I promise the athletes can do it. It's way more fun. Even though it looks ugly, it's worth it. And um, yeah. So when they're on the same side of the net, the ball is coming from a low position it's not coming often with a lot of heat. It's just not as game-like as playing from above the top of the net, which brings me to the next one. Don't play pepper. Like, I just, I don't like pepper. I mean, I, I personally like playing pepper. It's just not as developmentally sound as some of the other things we could be doing on a court during that time. So if anything, play three-person pepper. Well, they got to angle their platform a little bit. We don't want to be digging straight ahead all the time. We don't want to be... Uh, receiving balls from the low position. See, I think some of that is, I would probably fight back a little bit because mm -hmm. when you play three person pepper, you're getting fewer reps. True. And I would argue that still when you're playing pepper, the ball's coming all over the place with most of these players. That's true. Which means you got to angle it back to where that person is. So yes. it's not like you're behind the ball all the time and the ball's going straight. The ball's going right. all over the place. And uh, so I still think that there's reading in pepper because you got to look at the hitter. And if you teach that, uh, I like being specific. So we want pepper, a high, low pepper, yes. two thirds of the balls are going to be hit over the head and there one third into the platform. So yes. if you give specifics, I would kind of probably, uh, change that to, uh, be more specific with the pepper you play. Yes, I would say that's a good way. Of and now it. you can yeah. say, hey, we're just not doing this kind of mindless pepper. And that's we're working on time. something specific. Yeah. Oh, no, people are using it as warm up and the kids are playing pepper and the coach is talking to the assistant for five, 10 minutes, same partners. They right. wonder why their team's not together because they let the best friends hang out and play pepper for 10 right. minutes. Absolutely. And they talk about all the other players and then you know, their eyes are rolling the whole practice. Exactly. And the other thing is I want them to hit the ball hard. Like, can they just hit the ball hard at each other, you know, and get used to that. And then um, when they get in the game, it won't be as, you know, challenging. All right. Last one for me. Well, I got two more. One, don't get off task. Okay. Stay on task. It's a good one for me. Yeah, me too. You got to tell me about this one because I'm famous for 
starting with one thing and then getting distracted. Yeah. And it's natural, but it's not what we want, right? We want to kind of stay locked in on the things that we got to have out of that drill. If those things are happening, maybe you can go to some other stuff, but if not, it's like, no, if they're yeah. happening, then you just say, Hey, we got it. Let's move on. But you don't stay with it. We, yes. I, it's, it, I can't make excuses for getting sidetracked. No, absolutely. Do it. Yes, absolutely. And then this one you mentioned a little bit too, don't let your assistants just be ball machines. They have to have an eye, quote unquote, and a voice, quote unquote. And they have to have the right to stop practice if they want or stop their little portion of the drill if they want, you know, huddle them. They need, they need to know how to do that and do it in an efficient way, right? If they need to say something, go in there. I'm not going to let everyone do that, but the assistants that I have right now, I trust them. And if they said, hey, defense, huddle, I'd be like, boom, go huddle. Let's come back and let's do it again. Yeah, I think that with some of the assistants, we need to be better at giving them specific language. Agreed. Agreed. So this is the, we want you to, and and a lot of them, they don't say anything because they think they're trying to catch players doing something wrong. Right. You go, listen, we're working on getting steps off and serve receive before the ball crosses the net. Can you stand behind them and every time they do it, go, that's it. You got two shuffles off before it, whether they're passing or not. Are they getting those? And can you give them specific things? So the assistant stays the nice guy, right. catches them doing it right all the time. And if they, if you come by and they go, Hey, what's our percentage of them doing it right? If it's down okay. at like 20 or 30 and they go, Oh, it's at 20 or 30%. Okay. We got to slow it down. Right. Or if it's at 90%, then we got to make it more difficult. Right. But they get this idea that they own that to, to find that challenge point. I love that. Right. Yeah, totally. Well, I think we got to do more because it's just so easy for them not to say anything until yeah. a kid hits the ball on the bottom of the net. And then they tell them, oh, you got to hit it over the net. Right. And no, absolutely. So and they they can do it too. Yep. They can do it. All right. So that's what I have. So what are the videos of the week? Okay. We got, th we got three uh, videos. The first one is creating practice plans that are more game-like. Okay. Kim McLean from Corbin University has a quick four minute uh, explanation of that. So it's cool. Along the same lines, uh, Russ Rose, the art of setting up drills. Oh, the nice. art okay. of setting up drills. And then I stayed with Russ, drills that increase competition. So these three are great for both of our topics. topics. It's it just, perfect. it's perfect. It works it's out perfect. perfect. Right perfect. on. You so think that we met before and planned this, but. Uh, <laughs> The good thing, Davis, is we're dialing and smiling, dialing and, and we've done this long enough now. I think, what are we on, 87? It's 88. This Eight, one's 88. 88. Wow, we're yes, getting there. We're doing it. All right, good All stuff. Right. What do you have for resources? So the resource is a really cool resource that the Coach of the Year in the Pac-12 recommended to me. Oh, our friend JJ, JJ Van Neal. Okay. Yes. And if I get a recommendation for a book from someone like that, I'm taking it. And... I have started reading. It's a book called Hidden Potential, The Science of Achieving Great Things by Adam Grant. And it is a great book. I mean, it really is scientific, but it is anchored by these stories um, of these amazing achievements that have been made by these groups of people that are sort of maybe not thought of as the norm. Okay. And he really says that it's not where you are, but how far you traveled that determines your level of success. So how far, how much improvement did you make, right? And he uh, talks about the effects of motivation and other quote unquote hidden abilities that are that dramatically affect our lives. And he brings a lot of studies and to support his findings. And he brings the case that abilities 
like character and personal ownership are arguably more important than innate ability ability or intellect. So it's really Ooh, cool. The power of motivation, like the power of character. character. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Super cool. I definitely recommend people checking it out. I'm I'm about just getting into it, but I'm uh, ready to. All right. Devour I gotta I gotta check it out, and then we can chat about it. Absolutely. Well, what a great episode, Todd. Thanks so Davis, much. Well done, my friends. Well done. See you next time. All right. Bye.